Welcome to the Live to Shoot Podcast. My name is Jeff Dowdle, and this is the fourth episode of the bonus episodes we're doing on the 1776 report. If you have not listened to the introduction, I encourage you to do so because it'll explain why we're doing this. This episode is titled Challenge to America's Principles Slavery. Challenges to constitutional government are frequent and to be expected in a popular government based on consent. In his farewell address, George Washington advised his countrymen that when it came to the preservation of the Constitution, they should, quote, resist with care of the spirit of innovation upon its principles, however specious the pretext, unquote. The Constitution has proven sturdy against narrow interest groups that seek to change elements of the Constitution merely to get their way. At the same time, it is important to note that by design, there is room for the, in the Constitution for significant change and reform. Indeed, great reforms like abolition, women's suffrage, anti-communism, the civil rights movement, and the pro-life movement have often come forward to improve our dedication to the principles of the Declaration of Independence under the Constitution. More problematic have been movements that reject the fundamental truths of the Declaration of Independence and seek to destroy our constitutional order. The arguments, tactics, and names of these movements have changed, and the magnitude of the challenges have varied. Yet they are all united by adherence to the same falsehood, that people do not have equal worth and equal rights. At the embassy of our republic, the threat was a despotic king who violated the king's right, the people's rights and overthrew the colonists' long-standing tradition of self-government. After decades of struggle, the colonists succeeded in establishing a more perfect union founded not upon the capricious whims of a tyrant, but Republican laws and institutions founded upon self-evident and eternal truths. It is the sacred duty of the American generation of American patriots to defend this priceless inheritance. The most common charge leveled against the founders and hence against our country itself is that they were hypocrites who didn't believe in their stated principles and therefore the country they built rests on a lie. The charge is untrue and has done enormous damage, especially in recent years, with a devastating effect on our civic unity and social fabric. Many Americans labor under the illusion that slavery was somehow a uniquely American evil. It is essential to insist at the outset that the institution be seen in a much broader perspective. It is very hard for people brought up in the comforts of modern America in a time in which the idea that all human beings are inviolable inviolable rights and inherent dignity is almost taken for granted to imagine the cruelties and normities that were endemic in earlier times. But the unfortunate fact is that the institution of slavery has been more the rule than the exception through human history. It was Western world's repudiation of slavery, only just beginning to build at the time of the American Revolution, which marked a dramatic change in moral sensibilities. The American founders were living on the cusp of this change in a manner that straddled two worlds. George Washington owned slaves, but came to detest the practice and wished for, quote, a plan adopted for the abolition of it, unquote. By the end of his life, he freed all the slaves in his family's estate. Thomas Jefferson also held slaves, and yet included in his original draft of the Declaration a strong condemnation of slavery, which was removed at the insistence of several slaveholding delegates. In- inscribed in marble at his memorial in Washington, D.C., is Jefferson's foreboding reference to the injustice of slavery. Quote, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Unquote. James Madison saw to it at the Constitutional Convention that even when the Constitution compromised with slavery, it never used the word slave to do so. No mere semantics, he insisted that it were strong to admit the Constitution that the idea that that there could be property in men. 
Indeed, the compromises at the Constitutional Convention were just that, compromises. The three-fifths compromise was strong by was proposed by the, an anti-slavery delegate to prevent the South from counting their slaves as whole persons for purposes of increasing their congressional representation. The so-called Fugitive Slave Clause, perhaps the most hated protection of all, accommodated, pre- accommodated pro-slavery delegates, but was written so that the Constitution did not sanction slavery in the state where it existed. There is also the provision in the Constitution that forbade any restriction of the slave trade for 20 years after ratification, at which time Congress immediately outlawed the slave trade. The First Continental Congress agreed to discontinue the slave trade and boycott other nations that engaged in it, and the Second Continental Congress reaffirmed this policy. The Northwest Ordinance, a pre-constitutional law passed to govern the Western territories, explicitly banned slavery from those territories and from any states organized there. Above all, there is the clear language of the Declaration itself, quote, we hold these self-evident that all men are created equal. The founders knew slavery was incompatible with that truth. It is important to remember that as a question of practical politics, no durable union could have been formed without a compromise among the states on the issue of slavery. Is it reasonable to believe that slavery could have been abolished sooner had the slaves states not been in a union with the free? Perhaps, but what is momentous is that a people that included slaveholders founded their nation on the proposition that all men are created equal. So why did they say that without immediately abolishing slavery? To establish the principle of consent at the ground of all political legitimacy and to check against any possible future drift toward the or, or return to de- uh, despotism. But also in Lincoln's word, quote, to declare the right so that enforcement of it might follow as fast as circumstances should permit, unquote. The foundation of our republic planted the seeds of the death of slavery in America. The Declaration's unqualified proclamation of human equality flatly contradicted the existence of human bondage and, along with the Constitution's compromise, understood, in light of the proposition, set the stage for abolition. Indeed, the movement to abolish slavery that first began in the United States led the way in bringing the end of legal slavery. Benjamin Franklin was president of the Pennsylvania Society for Promoting the Abolition of Slavery, and John Jay, the first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, was the president of a similar society. In New York. John Adams opposed slavery his entire life as a, quote, foul contagion in the human character, unquote, and, an, and, quote, an evil of colossal magnitude, unquote. Frederick Douglass had been born a slave, but escaped and eventually became a prominent spokesman for the abolitionist movement. He initially condemned the Constitution, but after studying its history, came to insist that it was a glorious liberty document and that the Declaration of Independence was, quote, the ring bolt to the chain of your nation's destiny, unquote. And yet, over the course of the first half of the 19th century, a growing number of Americans increasingly denied the truth at the heart of the founding. Senator John C. Calhoun of South Carolina famously famously rejected the Declaration's principle of equality as, quote, the most dangerous of all political error, unquote, and a, quote, self-evident lie, unquote. He never doubted that the founders meant what they say, that they said. To his rejection, Calhoun added a new theory in which rights in here, not in every individual by, quote, the laws of nature and nature's God, unquote, but in groups or races according to historical evolution. This new theory was developed to protect slavery. Calhoun claimed it was a quote, positive good, unquote, and specifically to prevent lawful majorities from stopping the spread of the slavery into federal territories where it did not yet exist. Quote, in the way our fathers 
originally left the slavery question, the institution was in the course of ultimate extinction, and the public mind rested in the belief that it was the course of ultimate extinction, unquote. Abraham Lincoln observed in 1858, quote, all I have asked or desired everywhere is that it should be placed back again upon the basis that the fathers of our government originally placed it upon, unquote. This conflict was resolved, but at a cost of more than 600,000 lives. Constitutional amendments were passed to abolish slavery, grant equal protection under law, and guarantee the right to vote regardless of race. Yet the damage done by the denial of core American principles and by the attempted substitution of a theory of group rights in their place proved widespread and long-lasting. These, indeed, are the direct ancestors of some of the destructive theories that today divide our people and tear at the fabric of our country. In the next episode, we will talk about progressivism.